Jesus in the morning. How's that sound? Jesus or coffee first? What is it? What is it? Both. A little bit of both. In my house, it is a little bit of both. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, praise God. Let's open up to Psalm 5. I want to talk about success today. Success. <clears throat> Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Because my enemies make your way straight before me. Because of my enemies make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. And spread your protection over them. That those who love your name may exalt in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him. With favor as with a shield. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We love you. We honor you, O God. And we know that you are a shield to those who walk in integrity, Father. Continue to watch over us, Father God. God, we want to be successful as David was, Father. A man after your own heart, Father God. A man who sought you early in the morning, God. Help us, Father God, in all our endeavors to draw closer to you, to serve you, to obey you, O God. And to honor you. Through a life of obedience, Father God, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Good morning, Jesus. As I've been going through the psalm for the last several weeks, it just hit me how about success, David's success. If you're familiar with David's life, he was an extremely successful man. He had his failures, excuse me, <clears throat> but on a whole, a man after God's own heart, he was truly successful in the ministry that God had given him, but also in his relationship with God. And that's what this is all about. Uh, and I want to talk about success today. Question, who wants to succeed? I, I think we all do. We look at people scared. They raise their hands. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're taking the fifth. They don't want to entrap themselves, you know? But, you know, everybody, you wake up tomorrow morning, you, you want to succeed in something. Everybody here is trying to succeed in sports or 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 work or relationships. Think about it. What is it that you really want to get good at? What are you trying to get better at? What do you want that reward? What is it in your life that you just, one guy's pointing to his muscles. Okay. <laughs> See me Monday morning in the gym and I'll try to help you out. But did anybody say successful with your relationship with God? I want you to think about that. What were the first couple of things that came to your mind when you thought about success? Do you think about it in sort of an economic way? Do you think about it in a relational way? Maybe in a health way? How about a spiritual religious way? How about a deeper, close, and walk with God? That's successful. Because everything in this world is coming against your relationship with God. Even the flesh, even your own temptations within are coming against your relationship with God. Never mind there's a strong man called Satan who's the father of all lies, who comes to kill, maim, and destroy, and wants nothing to do with you and Jesus, doesn't care about either one of us. He's out for your demise, and as Peter says, be sober-minded. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion. So we get it every way. Success spiritually was what I'm talking about here. 
Success in life can be attributed to many factors, but there is one factor that is consistent to all the writers on success, and I went through a whole bunch of this, and I'm not going to go through, I'll mention a couple of them. But how you handle your morning is very important. Did you know that? How you handle your mornings. The quintessential quote is from Benjamin Franklin, early to bed, early to rise, what? I mean, that's the quintessential expression. Proverbs says it in a negative way. Listen to the way Proverbs says the same thing from a negative perspective. Oh, I didn't put that up there. Oh, my fault. All right, listen. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Get out of bed, you lazy head. That's what Proverbs is saying. Don't be sleeping all day. Get up and be productive. Don't be thinking about, you know, I want to be successful, but you're laying around at 11 o'clock in the morning. Well, that's what Proverbs is saying here. Let me read some success as I Googled it. Morning routine for successful people. How important is your morning? Here's what successful people do every morning. Another book is Morning Routines of Successful People. How about this one? Four Morning Habits of Successful People. The Morning Habits of a Successful People. There's another one. Inspiring Morning Routines of Highly Successful People. Another one. Morning Habits of Successful People. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Get the seven early morning routines used by highly successful people. I went to Barnes and Nobles, and there was like 45 books on being successful, and, and a lot of them uh, were part of the morning routine. I'm not going to get into all of them, but we know that to be successful, you're successful at anything in life. I'll talk to athletes. I'm talking to business people. If you succeeded, you're not sleeping at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. CEOs are up before everybody else. They went to the gym, they rode the bike, they made their smoothie, they did this, they read the Times, they read the Wall Street Journal, long before anybody walks into their office. They are ready and they are prepared. To be successful, you have to be prepared, and you can't wait till the end of the day to try to get successful or be prepared. You do that in the morning. David is doing it in the morning. Let's get that right. David is doing something on this morning, which is probably a regular routine for him, that he did all the time. And without it, I can tell you now, if you're not doing it, if I'm not doing it, Christ did it in Mark 127. He got up early in the morning while it was still dark and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Prayer in the morning. If you want to be successful, are you fighting anything in your life over and over again, I ask you, how successful, how strong is your prayer life in the morning? I'll ask you. If we had an honest congregation, and we are, how many people don't pray at all in the morning? All right, I see a couple honest hands there. Okay, that's praise God. This is what we want. And you probably represented a lot of more people in this room. But let's get real here. We are talking about living the Christian life. There's nothing more rewarding. There's nothing more successful than being a mature, growing Christian. There is nothing more successful. Oh, money's good. You want money over the fruit of the Spirit? You want wealth and prosperity over eternal life? No. The older you get, the more you'll see. The only real success in life is walking close to Christ. That is it. You won't hear anything else from this pulpit. You want to get rich with something else? Go somewhere else. You're not going to hear it from this pulpit. You want to get tight with Christ? You want to honor Christ? Stick around. We'll show you how to do it. Spiritual success. It's clear. What we do with our mornings can affect the day and consequently our life, either good or bad. Successful or unsuccessful. And the fruit that comes with either. There's a fruit that comes with success. And part of it is ease, convenience, luxuries, a feeling of, I don't want to say well-being, but of an achiever. It's wonderful to achieve something. I see my good friend Anthony Pinto here today, and we go back many years to a martial artist. And I know how hard it is for him to get where he was and where I am. 
It took a lot of work. And none of us were sleeping at 7 o'clock in the morning. Athletes get up and pound the pavement. Athletes get up and run. Athletes get up and go to the gym. Every successful athlete today, if you're going to make it, is up in the morning exercising. Plying their trade. Mastering their trade. That's what athletes do today. High-performance athletes do that. And they don't wait till they're out of college. They're doing it in grammar school. They're doing it young. David was a man who knew success. David, at a young age, maybe 15 years old, was able to take down the mighty Goliath because he walked close with God. Amongst many other successes David had, there's something interesting about the morning. I'm going to speak about it in, in a couple of seconds. But as Psalm 5 gives us insights to David's success in life, his ministry, and his relationship with God, success in this world comes first with our relationship with God. If this is tight, this will be so much better. Because success in God's kingdom is not how much you attain. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, success in God's kingdom is how much you give away. <laughs> You got, you're giving it away. You're giving your heart away. You're giving your time away. You're giving your energy away. You're giving your, your, your material goods away. You're giving your money away. You're blessing people. It's better to what? For David, the early morning was a major contributor to his success. Not because of some practical. I want you to listen to this. I thought this was quite good when I wrote it down. So you better listen to it. The morning was a major contributor to his success, not because of some practical or anecdotal reasons, because it, it just works. No, 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 no. No, no. That's shallow in spiritual things. This is not a methodology. Not because of practical reasons our modern day motivational speakers write about how to be successful. No, no, no. But because of theological truths. And there's four in this psalm I want to speak about tonight to help us be successful in our spiritual life. You know what a theological truth is when you put them together? It's a worldview. David woke up every morning having a keen eye on what life is all about. And so should Christians. We should wake up knowing what life is all about. That's our biblical worldview. It's from there I become successful in life, specifically in my relationship with God and as a Christian man, a husband, pastor, so on and so forth. Our text talks about four that I'm going to speak about tonight. The first thing is the morning. How many people know there's actually a theology of the morning? Did you know that? There's a theology of the afternoon. There's a theology of the evening. Do you know that? Just about every war won in Israel's camp was in the morning. God did fascinating things in the Old Testament. Guess what? They're all in the morning. God does some spectacular things in the morning. Morning in Scripture is a time of new beginnings. It's God's special time and represents human opportunity with God. Morning was a time of awareness of God's perpetual and reliable goodness. As we see in Lamentations 3.23, it says, God's steadfast love and mercy are what? New every morning. When you look into everything the Bible teaches about the morning, it's time for believers to acknowledge that God is indispensable to life. When do you get the aha moment? When you're just falling in under your sin and, you, and, and, and there you go, I did it again and, and, and you're clobbered and, and you're angry and you're irritable because people got under your skin and, and you're tossed to and fro. And Are you enjoying God at those moments? Be honest. Can some people go for days that way? I bet you there's people here that go for weeks with irritation and resentment 
and anger. When we struggle with those things, the presence of God is non-existent. There's no success with God. We're barely making it. Too many Christians are barely making it. My objective for this sermon is to awaken people to realize that God is waiting for you tomorrow morning. And that your mornings are never the same again. And you could be 8 years old, and you could be 12 years old, and you could be 35 years old. Guess what? We all need God in the... Because if you start off with him in the morning, guess who's going to be there in the afternoon? A morning relationship with God is a preemptive strike against every desire of the flesh. Against every foul word that's going to be spoken against you. To wake up in the morning and seek the Lord as David is doing because David's got enemies and they're speaking very bad things about David. I don't know if you picked up on that. They're not saying very good things about David. They're hunting him down. And he knew if he was going to get through this, guess what he had to do? When? In the morning. I'm going to ask you this question. Be honest with the Lord. Is God indispensable to you? Are you learning what that means, that God is indispensable? A Christian should say, absolutely. A growing Christian should say, absolutely. Let's see where we stand. The second thing theologically after morning is the morning sacrifice, the sacrificial system. This was no simple protocol. David is waking up in the morning because he was looking into the temple. And guess what was going on early in the morning? It was the first sacrifice of the day. When David's saying, in the morning I will seek you. In the morning I will serve you. In the morning I will offer a sacrifice to you. He's not just saying, well, I'll just wake up and I got nothing better to do. And I had a bad night's sleep, so I'll I'll pray. No, the morning sacrifice was taking place. And David lived in proximity to that morning sacrifice. And this morning sacrifice was no simple religious protocol or some kind of technicality. There is no morning. There is no tomorrow. There is no day if there's not a sacrificial system because God would not accept us, period. And the only reason you and I exist, do you know that the only reason human history keeps on going on is because of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? The only reason God is so loving and patient and kind towards humanity is because, as Paul said to Timothy, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and not just the world, but especially the household of God. The sacrificial systems is a constant reminder, God is holy, and we are sinful. Theological truth number one. We need to wake up every morning with our eyes fixed on Christ and grateful for what Christ has done. David is waking up. He's bringing his prayer to God in the morning. He's watching the morning sacrifice and his heart is filled with gratitude because he knows without that sacrifice, there is no relationship with God. There is no kingship. There is no tomorrow. There is no hope. When's the last time you woke up generally overwhelmed because of what Christ suffered and died? On the cross. Do you need to be reminded of that all the time? Or is it intuitive to you? Are you growing and maturing as a Christian to realize that I can wake up and say my ache's this and my ache's that. My wife can attest to that. And I'm learning. Christ, thank you for dying for me. The reason that this day has hope is not because my migraines aren't killing me. My arthritis is not killing me. It's because Christ died for me. That's why I have hope today. David knew that. Did you know that the Hebrew nation, whole existence, was governed by a sacrificial calendar? Did you know that? Read Numbers 28 and 29. And you'll see there's a morning sacrifice. There's an evening sacrifice. There's a weekly sacrifice. There was a monthly sacrifice. There was a yearly sacrifice. Do you know why? A constant reminder that we need God's love and his sacrifice to be in relationship with him. 
a constant reminder that our sin does not deserve that. I say that because David had his priorities in the right place. It's a constant reminder that no day in the life of a believer is ordinary. Did you know that? Are you bored with life? For the people who are sleeping right now, are you bored with life? Are you bored with this sermon? Are you bored with the introduction? I haven't got into the text yet, all right? So come on, get up, shake it off, come on. Follow a little history, follow a little theology. I study hard for this. This means everything to me. I like theology, so you better listen. Praise God. No day in the life of the believer is ordinary. It's extraordinary because of the morning sacrifice, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Because he's the morning, he's the evening, he's the weekly, he's the monthly, he's the annual, he's the perpetual, the once and for all, sacrifice for our sins. Don't ever forget that we are forgiven people. Don't forget it. Because if you do, you'll be worrying and complaining about everything else. If you keep in front of your life tomorrow when you wake up that Jesus died for my sins and that is the most important thing to you, everything else life throws at you won't compete with it at all. That's why the sermon is Jesus in the morning. Because if he's in the morning, you're going to have some good day. And all the bad people that are after you like they're after David... They're not going to make a difference. Stick around, listen to the psalm. Okay. The third thing. David had enemies. Verses 4 and 6. I'm not going to speak about it much tonight. 4 to 5 and 6 and 9 and 10. David had a lot of enemies that were after him. But David recognized something. They were God's enemies. Are people wearing you down? Are people... Getting under your skin. Who is it in your life? Come on, come on. Who is it? Your husband? Your wife? Your pastor? Who is it? Someone needs, someone's wearing you down. Who is it? Well, you can just simply superimpose your problems onto those because they're the wicked people in the, of Psalm number five over here. And the fourth thing, and I'll speak about it a little later, is hope. Our psalm tonight starts with cries and ends with hope. You see, when you wake up in the morning, you see God early in the morning, no matter how painful the day looks, it will end hopeful when you wake up with Jesus in the morning. Let's go to our text. Listen to verses 1, 2, and 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Has anybody ever woke up groaning? Has anybody woke up complaining? Something's going on in your life. You're not alone. Listen to David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. What a way to wake up. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. And I watch. This psalm is not a single day in the life of David, but probably a regular cry from him. David was constantly under attack. This is not a psalm he woke up having a bad head day one day and he said, oh, I'll write Psalm 5. No, this was a perpetual part of David's life. He was constantly on the attack. David was a man who lived in reality. Life was hard as the king of Israel. Is life hard as a Christian man or woman for you? Do you find it difficult living the Christian life sometimes? Do you find it hard that the culture is trying to seduce you and then temptations within you? Don't you just want to be angry at stupid people? Aren't they all just stupid? Come on. Come on. Am I the only one who says that once? They're all stupid. Then I catch myself. I'm a pastor. I can't be talking like that. Okay. David was a man who lived in reality and he knew the world was filled with bad people and the bad people were out after him. To be the king of Israel was no simple job. It came with its enemies. But even more, worse than the enemy without, the psalm is talking about the enemy with. And not the moral issue. These are the worst enemies. These were men who were around David who had no faith, no scruples, and they had no God. 
They had no God. The men in verses 4, 5, and 6, and 9, and 10 are men with no genuine faith, no scruples, no God, though they were Jews. They were Hebrews. They were in David's cabinet. And many from Saul's family and David's own son were constantly undermining his life and undermining his ministry. Constantly. He was dogged from day one. He never had a peaceful month. He never had a peaceful year. Kingship for David, ministry for David, serving God for David was hard work. But guess what? It's nothing compared to what you and I have to do today. Living pure in this moral wilderness is challenging. The way, the direction, the culture is going, and to be a witnessing Christian, I'm talking about being a witnessing Christian, the culture goes rogue and Christians go silent because they don't want anybody speaking about them. No, stand up and let your light shine, and if people don't love it, they don't like Jesus either. Understand something, they do not like the light because their deeds are sinful. Simple as that. We live in a world that's trying to silence the Christian because they don't like the sacrifice of Christ. And as a Christian, some of the hardest fights is not just the moral fight, it's standing up and being accountable as people of truth, living the truth, and telling the truth. I ask you today, are you silent on issues? Do you run away from the hard talk? Do you clamor up? Have you prayed in the morning? Bring it before the Lord. He felt the pressures of life. But he had a job to do as the king. To succeed as Israel's king and shepherd. But that was not going to happen without the protection of the true king of Israel, God. And David knew where his help came from and had to access it. True early morning encounters with God is what David is telling us. And I'm here to tell you, both through the word of God and through experience of myself and others, that encounters with God in the morning are special, they're real, and God wants you in the morning. The Holy Spirit will wake you up and say, I'm here. I'm here. Your pastor, John, is a man who comes to my mind. He won't tell you, but I'll tell you on his behalf. We went to a seminar many years ago, and one gentleman spoke about how he got up in the morning, he had a kneeling altar, and he'd get up and he'd get and he prayed, and it touched his heart that he's probably up well before 5 o'clock, maybe a little later now he's retired. And before he does anything, he prays. And if you want to know what success is, follow Pastor John. True early morning encounters with God are real. That's what David is saying. Always mindful that he himself was sinful and he had to have the morning sacrifice. He never got his eyes off the big picture. He never forgot, oh God, oh God, oh God. He's like, no, Father, thank you for my salvation. Please say this with me. Every morning, God Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for the sacrifice of Christ. Early in the morning, my eyes and my heart will drift towards Christ. That is the first thing. I'm going to reprioritize every day by starting in the morning with my eyes fixed on the cross, what Jesus did for me. I'm Brian Martin, 231, Bay Ridge Parkway, a forgiven sinner, under the grace of God. I never ever want to forget who I was and where I'm going now because of Christ. That is, has to be the most important priority of my life because without it, I won't be a good pastor. I won't be a good trainer. I won't be a good husband. I won't be a good friend. I'll get caught up in myself. Forget it. David knew what success was. It started in the morning. He's always mindful of himself and his sin. And that God's early morning sacrifice brought peace to him. We're talking about spiritual success. You know why some Christians never get over sin? Because they don't know just how bad and horrendous it is in the eyes of God. Praise God for the sacrifice of Christ. 
God still hates evil. He still hates sin. He doesn't take no pleasure in it. Nothing has changed. He's chosen to love us because of Christ. There's enough sin in each and every one of our hearts in only one minute of the day to smite us forever. But he does it because he loves us. And for that, we should be grateful in the morning. That's when it starts. Gratitude starts in the morning. And that God's early morning sacrifice brought peace to him. And because of it, he could boldly approach God now. How could a man like David, filled with passions, David killed men by the thousands. David had concubines and wives. He was a passionate man. His whole life was filled with passion. Don't think for a moment that he's some little ruddy guy with red hair or freckles running around. No, David was a passionate warrior. He was a passionate man. He was filled with a passion. How can this man approach God so boldly? Because of the sacrifice. How can we approach God so boldly? Because of Christ. In these three verses, David is overwhelmed. And we know that from three verbs used in communication. Words, cry, and groaning. Collectively, when you put them together, David on the inside is overwhelmed with what's going on. Maybe with fear, maybe with anxiety. And they signify the depth of both concern and emotional pain. This is no simple, oh God, help me today. This is a cry of despair. God, if you're not with me today, I'm not going to make it. There are evil and wicked men everywhere. They're out to kill me. Read First and Second Samuel. Read First and Second Kings. They're nice reads. Get used to it. Learn the life of David. He was constantly on the run. He was constantly being hunted down. And sometimes by his own family. Let me tell you something. For sure, David is an absolute mess. But his mind and his heart was centered on God's grace. In the morning, we learn to refocus life onto the grace of God and not onto the mess and the emotional pain we're in. It's easy to live there. It's in it. It's there. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. What about this? What about that? What about this? Quality time with Christ in the morning is the only antidote for it, period, for the Christian. His heart and his mind were still centered on God's grace as king, as Lord, and then on something else. On the eventual righteous outcome that God's going to have. How would you like to see everything bad made right? It's going to be. Rejoice. Every wrong thing ever done on this world will be made right at the second coming of Christ. Every wrong injustice done to you and to you and to you that breaks your heart and you still need to be healed on the inside will one day be taken care of. Christ will deal with it personally, on your behalf. How would you like it done tomorrow? Can you wait? Can you wait till Christ says when he comes back? But understand something, don't miss this. This is why David cries out with hope at the end of the psalm, because he's doing this. He's going through this. He knows that no matter what comes against him, they're really singing against God. And that God will one day have a just cause and deal with it. That should bring peace and hope into your life. You ever want to get even? Oh, just want to get even. I don't want them to die. Just 
just a black eye or something, you know, and just rough them up a little bit, God. Get back at the bad people who are making my life miserable. As Christians, we don't deal with personalities no more. As a Christian, God wants to teach you to look at the world, not to one person, this person, that person. I've learned, my wife has learned, we don't say, look what this person did to me and look what this person did. What we say is this, mankind is a fallen creature. We look at humanity now as a species under the wrath of God. We look at humanity as a species filled with sin and rebellion. Do you know why bad things happen to all of us? Because of sin. That's why. And as you grow as a Christian and you start praying in the morning and you refocus every morning onto God and reprioritize your life about what Christ has done for you, all of a sudden you don't see the personal little attacks. This one said this. You don't care about that no more. You're taking a bigger and you're saying, look at humanity. Look what happened to all of us. Look at what happened to all of us. Never again, it's that person. Look what they're doing to me. Look, look, no, no, no. Say, God, look what we've done to your glory. We're created in the glory of God. Look what we've done. We start getting off the personal little battles we have. And we start looking at it from a much bigger perspective. And it's in that perspective we find peace. Not in revenge on personal people. Oh, get them, get them, God. Go get them. You saw what they did to me. Not about personalities. It's about having a biblical worldview, and that's what David's given us in Psalm 5. His mind and his heart are still centered on God's grace. He knows that God's eventual righteous outcome is coming. There is a God, David knows, who does not delight in wickedness cannot tolerate evil or the prideful or the boastful. He knows in his heart that God despises deceitful people. He goes through a short early morning Bible study to remind himself about the final outcomes of all humanity that do not repent and come to Christ because eventually, most of all, anybody who hurts you is really sinning against God. Did you know that? Any foul thing that ever happened to us is sinning against God. So bad that when David committed adultery and then killed Bathsheba's husband, an innocent man, he killed him. He murdered him. And when he was called out for his sins, he said, God, you and you alone did I sin against. Well, that's a crime against humanity. David sinned against Uriah the Hittite. That was his close friend. He killed his close friend. But David didn't say, I sinned against him. I sinned against you, God. Everything that ever happens to us in injustice is a sin and a crime against God. David sees the big picture. He knows that all evil, one day, whether against him or anybody else, is really against God, and God will deal with it. Do you find peace in that? I hope you do. Remind yourself, if they're not saved, God will deal with all injustices. Listen to verse 7. 7 and 8. Can we put that up there, Jackie, 7 and 8? Okay. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple. In the fear of you. Listen to this. David would not allow his enemies to distract him away from his relationship with God. I ask you now. Think about the bad people. Think about the things going on in your life. Are they distracting you from an early morning worship with God? Are you so consumed with other people? Are you so consumed with things and other personalities that you are not seeking God in the morning? Are you allowing people to get in the way with your relationship with God? David won't have any of that. They're hunting him down like a thief in the night. But he says, but even though they're evil, through the abundance of your steadfast love, I'm going to enter your house and praise you. I'm going to worship you. Nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to distract me from the number one priority in this life, and that's the worship of God. Do you know your number one priority is the worship of God? 
Let me say it again. Did you ever hear it? I'll tell you right now. Your number one existence as a human being redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, filled with the guarantee of the presence of the Holy Spirit, is to worship God, period. And that's where you find happiness. You don't find happiness by chasing happiness. It comes to you by way of Christ. You worship God in gratitude for what he's done. And peace comes. Happiness comes. Contentment comes. He will continue to worship God just like Job did. In the good times or the bad times, nothing's going to stop this man from entering the temple, bringing a sacrifice of praise and honoring God with the early morning sacrifice. Nothing's going to stop him. This is how to succeed. Verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. I want to read this again. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of what? Make your way straight before me. David has the whereabouts to recognize that times like these have taken out better men than himself. If I am concentrating solely on the miseries of life, if I'm concentrating solely on the crimes and injustices against me, if I'm thinking about those things, do you know how spiritually weak that makes us? David's concerned about his walk with the Lord here. Make my way straight before you, Lord. Don't let me get caught up in this, God. I'm in the temple. I'm reprioritizing my life over here. It's you and you alone. You're indispensable to my, my life, God. That's where our power over selfish indulgence comes from. He prays for God's guidance over his daily walk and his daily duties as a king. Has pressure ever taken your eye off the ball? Has pressure ever gotten you to forget about a husband, a wife, children, your job, church? Pressure has a way of bringing the worst out of us, doesn't it? Doesn't pressure have the way of making us spiritually lethargic and fall into self-pity? This is not a man having self-pity. He could have, but he chose not to. Because his priorities were right. And the sacrifice in the morning reminded David of what life is all about. I'm here to remind you what life is all about. So whatever troubles you came in through this room with, they'll still be there when you leave. But not in the forefront. Let them get on back of the line. They got to get behind Christ. They got to hide behind. They got to answer to Christ. Every problem you're going through has to answer to Christ. If now, later. Listen to verse 11. And 12. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exalt in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Now remember, from groaning in the morning to singing and rejoicing. How does this happen? How does this man wake up with all the pressures of his life groaning? Please, don't miss it. I could have spent the whole sermon on the word. This man was destitute, discouraged, almost felt abandoned, but he wasn't. And now his groanings turn from worship to praise. Has your prayer life ever turned to praise? Did you ever enter, you ever enter a prayer and end up with praise? Did you ever go, God, man, I'm bringing my supplications. Life is so hard. I'm just really, really challenged, God. I just, I don't know how I'm going to make it, God. I need you, God. And as the time goes on, you're like, praise you, God. You know, God, I just needed to be in your presence this morning. In the morning, I'll worship Christ. In the morning. From groanings in the morning to singing joy and rejoicing. And why? Because it says that God is a shield and a protector and a refuge. He's the believer's king. Christ is your king. Every enemy 
that you have is an enemy of Christ. He's your king. He's your shield. Is this real life? Can you really go from being so down in the dumps and discouraged and despondent that a couple of prayers and all of a sudden you're rejoicing? Yes. If I don't tell you yes, I'm a liar. God's a liar. His word's a liar. The son of God's a liar. And he's not. Prayer for the believer is a face-to-face contact. When I pray as a believer, it's like I'm standing before God himself. That's prayer. Good morning, Jesus is not just some kind of clever title. Good morning, Jesus is real. Let Christ caress you every morning. From a prayerless morning, let me, let me ask a question again. Is this real? Is this reality? If you have a prayerless morning, it definitely is not a reality. But if you're being nourished morning by morning by prayer, If you're being nourished morning by morning by the presence of God, the protector. If you're being nourished morning by morning by the reality of a biblical worldview, that one day God will take care of everything. If you are praying morning by morning, if you're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added onto you. If you really are seeking God in the morning, if you're learning to develop the prayer life in the morning, let me tell you something. Every promise of God is true. Let me just go to a couple of applications. We'll close. Application one. Do tough times compel you to run to God your king? In the morning, or run away? Are you the type of person and personality that gets so overwhelmed that you even forget to pray? Jesus, who? God's kind. He's drawing you back. The Holy Spirit wakes up every morning with a fresh, new grace of God. Every morning. Every morning. His mercies are new every morning. He's not holding anything against us because the sacrifice says so. You will always be a son. You will always be a daughter. God will never love you less no matter what. Number two. Do tough times cause you to lose focus on your regular duties in life? Do you find yourself going through tough times and you're cranky, irritable, taking it out on your wife, taking it out on the kids, kicking the dog around town? Do you find that you're just not a nice person when things are tough in life because you just wear everything? Well, maybe you need to exercise. Good morning, Jesus. David did. And guess what? He was a very hopeful person at the end of the psalm. Number three. Is your prayer life peppered with biblical reality? Do you go to God and say, God, I live amongst a sinful people. How can I expect anything different, God? I'm living in a post-Genesis 3 world. I I shouldn't expect anything but people to fail me, God. We fail one another, God. People are failing me left and right. I fail people, God. I mean... Are you with me? Or do you see it like, what are they doing to me? To me, do you personalize it and internalize it? Or do you see it from the biblical perspective and say, no, this is not personal. This is what people do. Sinners act like sinners. 
The godless will act like the godless. I'll ask you this. What happens when it comes from your own Christian camp? As a pastor, there is nothing worse than when the attacks of Satan come from another believer. Patty, brother Patty, when I got up and he's talking about effectual love. And I knew that was an application. I'm running a minute late, but stay with me. I don't want you to miss this. Nothing should ever come between two believers. That's it. If you have anything against anybody, get right with God. Get right with God. I mean, so strong is this that Jesus Christ, and Kim will teach you when she gets to Matthew chapter 5, that if you go to the altar to worship God, and your brother or sister has something against you, don't give an offering to God. Get right with your brother and sister. Make it right. This is a religion of reconciliation. And if I can't be reconciled with the people in my life and the people around me, how in the world could I expect God to be reconciled to me? That's why we have this in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as... We are a forgiven community. We are a reconciling community. We do everything to be peacemakers. Everything in our life is to keep the peace. Say it with me. Keep the peace. Everything we do is to keep the peace. Everything. And let me close with this last thing. Is God indispensable to you? The psalm we read tonight is not a methodology. I've read them, I've read the books, I've heard the sermons, do this five times, get up in the morning. This is not a morning methodology. This is a morning reprioritizing our life every morning. Every morning I got to remind myself what Christ is. The most important thing for me when I wake up tomorrow is that Christ died to forgive my sins. There's nothing more important. If something ever gets in the way of what I just said, you're going to be tripped up by yourself, by someone else, by life, by the inconsistencies of life. We're never going to make it. Put Christ first every day. Father, the cry of our heart is to be more like this man who sought you in the morning, who recognized the valuable nature of the sacrifice, who took it serious who boldly came before you because of that sacrifice and bring his life, his pain, his rejections to you, Father God. Help us, Father God, to understand a biblical worldview. Not to take these things personal. We just live in a fallen, sinful world. And even our loved ones disappoint us at times. And even church members can disappoint us. And even our co-workers and Disappointment is everywhere, God. Help us. Help us, Father God, to see life from your perspective. I ask, oh God, help us all in Jesus' name. Praise God.